Blog Talk Radio. This is Patty Holstrainer, and this is KWAD Radio, and we're on live today. We have a special guest who's an Arizona author. We're always happy to have our Arizona authors come on and talk to us. And we have Lynn Boston aboard. He is an awesome writer of past life regression mystery called The Third Eye Trilogy. Obviously, that means that the first book is going to be made into two other books after that. And again, he is uh, starting later in life, like a lot of authors uh, nowadays are starting later in life in their uh, pursuits of their writing. And I'm going to definitely add all this information as we go here. So anyone who needs to uh, want to know more about everything, how to find him and all the information, of course, you look in your chat, which is down below uh, where you you see your uh, window. Scroll down, and there's a live chat there. And I will be putting information about him as I find it and add it. So, good afternoon. You there, Lynn? You you got it. I'm here, Patty. You hear me all right? Yeah, I hear you fine. Good. How are you, How are you doing today? Good, good, good. It's a typical Phoenix, uh, typical Phoenix day with the sun just baking down. But, uh, but I'm glad <laughs> yeah. to be with you this evening. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to do things in the morning nowadays, but you know, that doesn't always work. So yeah, and all all the scuttle today about the you know Venus flying across in front of the moon. Everybody's running outside with their big goggles on, trying to trying to spot Venus flying in front of the sun. <laughs> well, you know we don't see that very often, so you gotta try to you know catch these little these little light yeah, things as you can. Yeah. You only have to wait another 117 years to see it again. So. Yeah, I don't think I want to be around that long. <laughs> so, I told them a little bit about your your story. You were talking about a trilogy. Obviously, that means that this was the first book of three. Uh, right. How, you know, what would your, be your description of your of your story? Well, it's it's uh, it's a it is a mystery thriller, and it's is really sort of an action adventure. Uh, story. Uh, the uh, as you mentioned, it is a trilogy. The first one is is wrapped and out. The second one should be out here in the next few months, um, and they'll be tied together. There's some loose ends at the beginning of the first one. Uh, mm-hmm. To to kind of give you a general context, uh, a lot of the reviewers of of, of uh, the first book through the third eye have uh, equated it to the Da Vinci Code, in that sort of a same light, uh, but it took a different twist with it. And there's sort of two main thrusts to it that kind of make it make it a little bit interesting. And that's where I guess where it there's something that drives an author to write a book. And there was sort of two angles that drove me in this direction uh, was the historical nature of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second aspect is this psychological, the human psychological aspects of the, the, the uh, of the the action psychological aspects being the hypnotherapeutic uh, or hypnotherapy-based half-life regression. So uh, that was my thread to go back in history. 
So there's, uh, you know, when you look at any kind of a fiction, there's different ways to go back in history and replay history or visit history or or modify or draw things out in a historical context. It's my route to go back in history and, and draw these little factoids out and, mm-hmm. and not change them because if, if you look at the historical aspects of the the, the first trilogy through the third eye, uh, probably 90% of the facts, 90, 95% of the facts that come out, historical facts, are, are truly historical facts as documented by the history, history book. Hmm. But there's always gaps. <laughs> I took a little bit of liberty in filling the gaps. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so that, that, that's what, that's what uh, fiction authors love. You know, they find little things oh. and say, well, what if? What if, you know, well, we could fill that gap. <laughs> because the history books, the, the the history books leave a lot of areas very gray, particularly as you go back into the ancient times. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it wasn't like, well, I went back uh, 50 years or 100 years, and uh, back in the 1800s. No, I went back to 3000 BC, 4000 BC, around the 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 turn of the millennia, uh, up into the 400s, 500s, 1500s, 1500s. So. Uh, by doing these past life regressions, assuming, of course, that there are souls and these souls reincarnate in different lives at different times, uh, I could use the, the the liberty of the author to go back in time anywhere I wanted to go and tie these threads mm-hmm. through history, up and down through history, and then across history. So there's different ways to tie them all together. Mm. Well, you yeah, know, that's really fascinating how, how you got involved with this. Before we get uh, any further, I want to let everyone know that the guest call number is 714-242-5145. That's 242-5145. Be sure to call in and ask questions or just you know, give us some comments. Also, there's the chat area. So that way you guys can, if you can't call in, because it is long distance if you don't have a cell phone, uh, then to chat, you can write in your questions, and I'll definitely uh, forward that, that to him and let and she can answer you know, right live with the show here. Um, I have a lot of questions. One is how you know, what do you do in your day job <laughs> that got you so involved in, in in this kind of subject? Well the the day job probably didn't actually didn't drive me into it. Uh, other than the fact that when you're in corporate America sometimes uh you have to be creative in, in what you do to survive in the corporate environment, mm-hmm. uh, but the, but in my day job, I'm a, I'm a technology area, and specifically technology and technology. So that's that's what I do in my day job. That's what you know pays the rent. Mm. Uh, we are getting some interference. Are you hearing anything? Uh, yeah, I'm hearing okay. You're right. Yeah. There? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I can switch headphones. If it, if it gives you too much trouble, let me know, and I'll, I'll switch over to a different headphone. Never know what it is. I, sometimes it's just a matter of whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I'm sitting right next to a, a landline phone, which I could probably get to if, if I needed, you know, worst case. So I'll, I'll, we'll make sure. If it's on my end, then I'll, 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 we'll find some way to get in. Well, um, it may be anything, but that's, uh, I just wondered if you heard it. Um, you never know, and, and you know, technology is a wonderful thing, but you know, it doesn't always work exactly how we want it to. 
Oh, I, I know. After spending, uh, most of my career in this field, it uh, it never it never works the way you want it to go. It's, uh, yeah. But that's that's so you just have to put up with it and, and keep going. Yeah, yeah. You just have to wing it. So you got started. You know, I I was saying before and I introduced you is that I find a lot of authors now who are older. You know, older individuals. Uh, in their adult years, and they're now just now getting started in their writing. You find that to be the case, and how did that happen with you? That's well. What it's um, from a couple angles. One is is you finally get to the point where you're sort of an empty nest, and if you're if you've got a, a you know a core career that you're working on, and suddenly you can throw kids out of the house, you have a lot more time, uh, and that allows you to be able to to delve into different things that you've kind of put on hold while you were trying to raise kids and, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, put, put yourself together in a career and all that. So it allows you a little more freedom. And I think I'm not alone. I think a lot of other folks, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, have yeah. done the same thing, that when you've got a little more time later on in your career, then, hey, th- let's chase some of the stuff that we've, we put aside. And uh, But I, th- I think the, the real things. It goes almost back to, to when I was a kid. I, I have to look at what drove me to creating such a, a, a novel along this line. And mm-hmm. and I, I like your little tagline, which is Dreaming Adventures in Faraway Lands, kind of takes me back to when I was a kid because I, I was raised out on a farm in, 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 in Iowa. If, there, if uh, you don't find things to keep you preoccupied, you will go crazy. <laughs> because, yeah, uh, you're you're out there, and you know maybe you got some animals, and maybe there's lots and lots of uh, out there. There was more corn and soybeans you could throw a stick at. <laughs> uh, you know, just everywhere you go, there was you know these fields, and and so uh, there were streams and creeks and forests and things you could roam around and do and climb trees and do what you want. But you had to you had to keep your mind active and and and, and or you'd go crazy. So I used to, that was pretty much it. I used to dream about things and, you know, wild adventures. And that, that's, you know, part of it's natural part of being, of growing up. But, but being in a in a farm environment like that, you've, you're sort of pushed in to do it or go crazy. So I think that was one aspect of it. The, um, um, but it's interesting because from the historical aspect, because much of the, the, the novel is, is, is based around, I'm going to use the word, playing games with history. Uh, mm-hmm. When I was when I was in high school, I hated history. Oh my God, I hated it. It was the worst <laughs> class. I, I just could not stand it. But something happened when I when I joined the army, and my my first main assignment was in was in Europe, and I spent three and a half years. Uh, well, the second round over is three and a half years in in Europe, in the in the heart of ancient history. And oh, um, yeah. so that, there's something happened. Something clicked. When I was over there, and, and I mean, when I just—I remember the little village I lived in for about a year. There was a, a church down the street. It was 1,100 years old. And when wow. you're, you're sitting, if you're sitting in the U.S., you don't get that. So you're sitting in the heart of a little village, and that church over there is 1,100 years old. And you, your mind begins to wonder, oh my God, you know, this is just amazing. And then I remember uh, I took a bike ride one day, and I was down through a little kind of a creek along a stream, and and I stopped, and there was a, a, like a monument, a stone monument. So I walked out in this little meadow and looked at the monument. It was written in German, but, but it, the, in essence it talked about a, a, a Roman patrol that went out into this meadow, and they ran into quicksand or something, 
and about ten of them died in the, where that monument was. And this is the Roman Empire. This was way, we're talking way back. This is when they were probably chasing Attila the Hun up through Europe. Um, so, so then your, your mind starts to play really wild games on you when you're amongst all of this ancient kind of history that that being raised in a in a you know in a farm in the Midwest, you don't really get a chance to get that exposure. So history began to play with me and. And uh, as I'm, some additional travels in Europe, I, I I had these things that drew me to two things. One was was Stonehenge, and the other was Acropolis. And I had to go to see both of them a couple times. I had to while I was over there. And um, there it was just the, the history of sitting among those ancient stones and those ancient monuments mm-hmm. uh, to go back thousands of years began to play on my mind from a historical aspect and from there I was I was I was hooked on <laughs> on uh on history all the way after the ancient times. So that drew me in. And then the psychological aspects of the this past life regression came later. Uh you know, later in, in within the last probably eight, ten years I began to develop this interest in human nature and and you know, the human mind and what it can and can't do. So I I ended up putting those two together, and when I put those two together, that's when I came up with the concept, the idea, and to to let, let me bring this to, to let me bring this out as, a, as an adventure. Now, what I was reading before about you was that when you were uh, in the military, you started to, as part of uh, in trying to do you know take care of you know the free time you guys had. Sometimes you you were telling stories to oh, your. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and, and it was. I, I was kind of known as a storyteller, and I think that's okay. part of when I got later on. Um, it, it was. I thought I said I should do something with it because people say, "Oh, you ought to write books about this. You ought to write books about this." And um, where I picked up a lot of that was was um, I, I worked for an, um, a very very large oil company for 15 years. Once I got out of the army, I went went to work for this oil company and spent 15 years with them. And I traveled every single corner of the world. Uh, most of it was on the on the exploration and the production side of where you get the oil. And you get oil in some of the most awful places in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I would go there. I, I would spend 70 to 80% of my time for, for many years I spent on the road to these distant locations that were quite often very crude, uh, sometimes living in trailers on the edge of jungles and, Mm. All kinds of creatures and critters and you know orangutans jumping over the top of the over the top of where you're at. Uh, or, yeah, you were living you were li- you were living in an adventure. It, it really was, and and so I'd come back to the office and then I'd start telling stories and I would elaborate and then I would start to exaggerate <laughs> and, <laughs> and then get very creative and as you begin to get creative you you create these. Storylines, and that's what people said. You can't, you gotta be kidding me! You didn't do that. Oh, oh yeah, of course I did. And, and then you'd ex- you'd make up stories around it. Uh, so I think I think as I as I got older, my you know, or later in my career, I said oh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna take these concepts or concepts that I wanted, bring them out in a storytelling fashion, and then uh, you know create the story and, and tell the story. So how so how many how many years you've been waiting to bring this story? You know, out to and for others to enjoy. 
Well, I, I started uh, I started uh, looking at uh, I said what really triggered me off was maybe about seven eight years ago. I had a, a good friend. Um, well, I should say let me let me kind of phrase it from this standpoint is on the on the reincarnation side because this reincarnation this whole past life thread was that one sort of the missing piece and I I was always kind of interested in it but never really believed much about it you know I just thought that was interesting and I had a good friend who uh, who got into Kabbalah uh, and and or Kabbalah depends on how you want to pronounce it. I always thought, well, that's just Madonna's thing, you know. That's you know, that's Madonna, and she's kind of in this cult, and they do their thing. And and uh, this this good friend of mine, I you know, I knew she was for you know a couple of years, and and finally I got to the point where I, I got to ask her about this. I, I want you to tell me about this. And a, a very interesting aspect of of that, I'm going to use the word philosophy because I, I don't want to call it a religion or call it. I, I, it's a, it really Kabbalah is really a philosophy about life and and how you look at it. And, and so she explained to me the different aspects, and one of those aspects is they, they're hardcore believers in, in previous lives and reincarnation, and I began to dig more. I said, give me more about this. Give me more. And that started me on a binge. So, I was so curious at that point, I had to understand what she was talking about. So, mm-hmm. so I, I came home, went right down to the library, and I says, i got to find a book. So I, I looked it up on the Internet. Okay, here's a good book. Went to the library and uh, I looked at Michael Newton's book. I read, uh, Michael Newton is a, a psychiatrist, uh, therapist. He got very, very deeply into uh, past life regressions. And I read his book. And I wow, this is fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I made non-fictional, very uh, structured, methodical reporting of his experiences as a therapist. And then I read his other book, and then another book. And then there was another uh, uh, psychiatrist uh, named, um, uh, uh, what was it? Michael Newton and uh, Brian Weiss. So I, I read one of his books, and then a second book, and then a third one. And the next, I'm, then I'm into it. I'm hooked. So about <laughs> 35 non-fictional books later, I said, wow, this is really interesting. I don't know if it's real. I don't know if it's. If it's created, I don't know if it's a, if it's just kind of a, a group think that goes down this route. But I said I thought this was really interesting, so uh, that began to get me into the into the hook, and, and that's what took me into the historical aspects because I sort of put the two together and said, you know, if you could use this these techniques, the hypnotherapy techniques, to go back in people's lives and have them describe what happened. What if you could just tie this into what history has documented? And that started me down the path of saying, hey, I think I can create something. And that's, that's where the storytelling comes in, because mm-hmm. I can make really good, really, really good stories on that. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm adding some information. Of course, obviously, I'm letting everybody know where to get your books uh, while we're doing while we're in the middle of the show here. So that way uh, they can find you. Obviously, okay. you have your own website and all that, so I definitely want them to know. Uh, just let everybody know, again, the guest calling number is 714-242-5145, and you can get a hold of... Oops, I put too long. Okay. Um, you have your own website, yep. Lynn Boston Books, that's plural, 
thenbostonbooks.com. And yep. that's where you have your past life regression mystery information. I'm scrolling down and taking a look at some things that other people, you know, your book reviews. And, uh, you know, some people are uh, saying the pace of it is like Raiders of Lost Ark, uh, unfolding mystery of Da Vinci Code. Um, and so, you know, they, they're definitely like your you know, the type of story. Are you thinking about perhaps finding someone to help you write the screenplay or trying to tackle that yourself after you finish your series? I, I'm, I'm, what I, I told myself, I said, I'm, I've got to stay committed to the rest of the trilogy, so I have to finish it. But at the, at the right time, I will, I will look for someone that can actually, actually prepare or write the screenplay for it, uh, whether it would be in a, a series or whether they try to bundle the trilogy into one. Uh, you know, it, it all depends on whoever the right person is that I would get to work with on the screenplay, but I, I just I don't want to divert myself from delivering <laughs> the, the rest of the trilogy. So um, so I will look for someone else to, to come and do that. And I've got some other, uh, because of the, the, the nature of what I've done, all the research I've done for about six years now on, in this regression, my intent is to, to package some of that into a, a non-fictional, uh, non-fictional work around the regression, so that if people have yeah. an interest in it, they can actually dig into it, uh, and that would th- those are all the techniques that that I used to to drive where I was at, and um, and uh, to actually create the the novel itself. So I don't want to put myself off and and go back and try to try to, because I know screenplay writing is very 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 different than than writing a novel. It's, yeah, it uh, is. Yeah, it is. It's a whole different animal. So, but but there, it's in there. I, I've actually, well, I think you were just talking about some of the reviews that I've gotten. That uh, one mm-hmm. said, "Oh, this 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 is for the big screen. <laughs> That's for the big. This would be a good movie." And, well, you've uh, got uh, you've got you know obviously a lot of different places and uh, unique opportunities to see some different places. You and I talked a little bit about that. Um, you know, they're into you know Bhutan. They're going into other countries, you know, that are unique to us, we don't usually get to see them. So uh, it's like Readers of the Lost Arcs, in which we got to see a whole lot of countries that we don't usually see. Um, right. Tell us about your historical, uh, you know, going into different countries and, and finding information about those countries when you were uh, going to write about these scenes. Yeah, there's, there's um, uh, within the knowledge, if you picture it conceptually, conceptually is that that you have these human souls that reincarnate and they can reincarnate anywhere on the world uh, when the two main characters were this Clay and Charlie they, they have to go find these people and they're finding them through regressions of other people so eventually they get linked off to the point where yeah this person is now living as this as, you know their soul is living as this person in some other city on the other side of the world so then they're off on that adventure to find that person that's living in that other city that is, oh, they're a, a young man, it's an older woman, their name sounds something like this. So that's part of the, the adventure, trying to find a person. But once they find a the person, they don't know whether they have the right person or not uh, because the names don't exactly sound right or the description is quite right. So they find themselves having to actually go through different people within the same city before they find the right person. 
then even once they get the right person, they're not sure if it's really the right person that they, or the right soul that they're looking for that has the, pre, the, the correct historical figure that's in their life. So it creates a lot of challenges. The, uh, in this particular, the, the, first, uh, the first novel, Through the Third Eye, there were three main subjects. As you, they call them subjects. The regression, the person who has regressed to their past lives is a subject. So there were three main subjects. The, the first one was was in was in uh, actually in uh, Amman, Jordan. I'll, I can give you those. It's not a real spoiler. The first one is in Amman, Jordan, okay. um, and which is the Middle East. So I spent time in various places throughout the Middle East, and you know several trips into Saudi Arabia and Egypt and other places. So I had the flavor, I had the the taste of mm-hmm. of what what you would expect as a as a person. Uh, go, going into there trying to find the right person to to regress. Uh, the second one, so I've, I've had the, you know, the aspect of my experience has been in that area of the Middle East. Uh, the second one, which I'll say was a subject, was up in Wales. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, some of this is my historical roots. It's, it's where you go you have to know. So about maybe eight or nine years ago, I actually spent quite a bit of time in the Wales. And uh, there was a castle there. I went to this castle. I thought this was a cool castle. There are some very interesting threads that I brought out of how did they end up at this particular castle in the Wales? But then because they were after a guy who worked at the castle. Mm-hmm. And there were reasons why and how they got there. So I'm not going to spoil it, but that was the second one. So I've had a lot of um, experience in and out of the Wales and different kinds. Plus my roots, one of my... Uh, grandmother, my, you know, actually my grandmother's was Welsh, and so uh, years ago, even my father, he kind of traced his roots back, and we went back to the actual farmhouse from almost uh, 400 years ago that the family came from when they emigrated to the U.S., and uh, so that was kind of the roots there. And then the third one was, the third subject was down in Panama, and I spent quite a bit of time down in Panama. That's, uh, I think that's, that'll probably be one of my that'll be my main retirement place when I when I go. So I spent quite a bit of time down there, and I do much quality down there. So that'll be my retirement place. So I go down there about twice a year, and that gave me the foundation and the roots of of what I needed to regress that third subject in in Panama. There's some interesting twists that I throw in with that subject that, that was down in Panama. So that's what kind of took me around the around the, the loop on the first one. The, the second one, uh, the second novel, which will be out later in the summer, uh, a whole different set of places it's going to go to, a whole different set, uh, some very interesting uh, things. But there was another one, um, uh, I'll say that they didn't have a subject there, but they ended up spending a lot of time on the first novel. Uh, there were some there were reasons why they had to go to the book because they were actually uh, the, the the main thrust is they're looking for these ancient secrets and uh, so there's ancient secrets that are stashed all over that part of the world so that was my my play and that's I tied that back into the historical aspect of what was historically and uh, where is claimed to be hidden you know secrets that are claimed to be hidden in that part of the world. Hmm. So, so you now what you're saying is that you've been to some of these places, so you were able to obviously get some description from from your memory, and other right. ones you kind of you know since you were in the vicinity, you kind of know what they were they they would look like and how they would feel. 
Oh, exactly. And I actually would dialogue. What I do is uh, that's the wonderful, wonderful thing about the internet is you can you can find local people and you get into different blogs and groups and you tell people this is what I'm looking for. Hey, will somebody help me with this? And next thing you know, you got people who live there will will work with you. And I, I did a lot of this on the the second novel I'm wrapping up. And um, well, I'll say there, there's a there's a good there's a, a nice section in there where they're in Nepal. And I really, I've never been to Nepal. I've got to find more about it. I've been in and around it. Or not in it, but I've been around it, but I've never been to Nepal, never been to Kathmandu. So I got on the net, and I started paying. Next thing you know, I've got several Nepalese are back and forth with me. I'm describing, this is what I want to do. Where would I go? Well, you could do this. There's a monastery over here, and there's a wait, wait, there's a there's a temple over here, and there's this over here. And so in, in creating the story, I would actually use, my my relationship with, you know, the internet relationship with some of the locals, that will oh, wow. give me the the tidbits that I need to be able to build the story as as accurate as I could possibly build that. And uh, I kind of I blame Tom Clancy on that. <laughs> I, I have to blame Tom Clancy. I, okay. I, I really do. I, and I tell you why I blame Tom Clancy is okay. Is if you've ever you've read his works, uh, he, he is very accurate. In, okay. in building his story around what he writes about, and uh, I remember reading some of his books. I wasn't uh, Red October; it was uh, Red Storm Rising, I think it was. And and I was reading reading through his story, and, and they were in a cavalry unit in the Fulda Gap in central Germany. Well, that was one of the units I was in. And as I'm reading through this, is my God, this guy got this nailed to the teeth. He, he's Clancy's got it right. He he knew exactly. He understood the geography. He understood the the tactics. He understood this. So th- that was part of a driver for me. When I write about something, I like to be as historically, not just historically, but as accurate as I can within reason uh, so that, that people who are there, people that can relate to it, say, oh, I've been there. I've seen that. I know where that's at. That they can relate to it, so that's that's part of my thing. So I, I blame that on Tom Clancy for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you know, obviously you must have read a lot when you were younger, or did you? I when I was real young, I did not. I it, it was uh, in in school. I just was not a big reader. Um, I should have been. You figure if I was right down that farm instead of being out running around through the cornfields, I should have been back reading, but. I, I really wasn't a really avid reader as a younger person. As I as I got a little bit older, then then your lifestyle changes and your what you do and how you think changes. And I began to get into the novels. And I guess I was probably in my late twenties is when I started to pick it up. And and hmm. uh, I said, well, this is really. I I, I got uh, sort of for a while. I got into the 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 Anne Rice. I got into the vampires and I got into the fantasies and. You, you you get into these whole sets of these fantasy novels and they're just wild. And then there was a shift, probably in, as I got into towards my late thirties or so. I it was like I'm born for the I, I shifted to the to the more adventure series. That's where I got mm-hmm. Tom Clancy and got locked into him. And so I got to go through his. And then you start going through the you know others that are like that, very different flavors. And, you, and I think that maybe that's what drove me. I didn't realize that I was kind of following a little bit of suit along with Dan Brown. And suddenly the next thing you know, I'm 
Well, people say, oh, you're like the Da Vinci Code. And I didn't even put the two together. I, I didn't even put the two together. Um, but that, So I, I, even my desires changed over time. And, and I started to do more and more reading later as, you know, as I got in my 20s and then into my 30s. The older you get, I started doing more reading. I don't know if it's, you get a little more time that you feel that you can sit down and enjoy it. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. you want to get away. The mind wants to get away from from all of the, the grind of daily life, and that's your escape. Uh, but and that's, that's sort of where my labor came into. That's definitely true. So when you write, um, is there a pattern that you follow? Uh, how do you write? I mean, do you do it with an outline first, or you just kind of go drive this by the seat of your pants, or uh, do you have a set way that you that you that you work? A well, lot of authors the, like to know about this. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think uh, you know when I when I first started some some shorts and things, and then the the first the, the first of this trilogy was I, I really I had a concept and I knew generally where I wanted to go, and I sort of laid it out, penciled it out. Now where I ended up in the end was totally different from where I started, uh, but I just started pushing through. And then I, I, I found myself rewriting and rewriting and rewriting, restructuring. I probably had four major restructures, almost rewrites, because I think I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really didn't sit down and outline in nearly the depth that I should have. So, uh, second of the trilogy, I, I, I used the, a different approach, which is to outline the tail out of it, so in much more depth, in much more detail, so that I could structure. Uh, what I did find is, is as I'm closing in on the end of this one, the um, using the structured approach, uh, it, it, it has not changed that much from start to finish, except within the individual content. As you get into the lower level content, I'm still turning it around, still moving things around, because I think, oh, this is better if I were to bring it up a little bit later. And uh, But what it is, is it, it goes much faster. I think when when you outline more, you lay the concept out, you it goes faster because you don't have as many rewrites as you go through that process. Hmm. So, uh, did you have to go to some kind of class? Did you take any classes to help you to do the writing, or did you uh, just kind of start and just kind of naturally gifted with it? Yeah, I had. I had um, from a writing perspective, earlier in, in my life, I had really, in younger days, I had a lot of trouble with writing. I just couldn't get it going. And and uh, I have to thank Corporate America for this. At one point, I was probably in my late 20s, and and uh, the, the boss goes, you've got to improve your writing, your corporate writing. You have to improve it. So he sent me to a class, <laughs> and uh, it, it was, it, and what it is, it changed my entire mindset on how you write. So, <laughs> The concept was you just do a mind dump. Get it hmm. out and get it on the paper. You can fix it later. Get it onto the paper. And that, that was yeah. before word processors were really big. So when you would just do your mind dump and have to redo it, it wasn't like you could cut and paste and move and drag and drop. It was a, right. a everyone had yeah. to rewrite. But you got all your points out and you got them onto paper, literally got them onto paper. So... That, that I, I began to pick up that technique of just doing a mind dump and just don't have any inhibitions at all. You just sit down and if you, once you got your outline, you just start writing and just keep going. Just keep well, going. Well, you know, it's kind of funny because uh, a very 
classic man, uh, an author, one of my favorites from and how I got fell in love with it. Uh, Ray Bradbury say the same thing. So yeah, yeah I, I learned that from him back in I think it was eighty seven, nineteen eighty seven. Yeah. I met him, and that's what he said. He said, uh, you know, you because you know he was writing in the fifties and sixties when you know they didn't have the typewriters they have now. They don't have oh, typewriters, yeah. you know. So uh, he would have, you know, he said he he used to uh, have a, a roll of dimes. And he would go down to the library and basement where they had the electric typewriters, but you had to pay, you know, for a certain yeah. amount of time. So he had a roll of dimes, and he had to get that short story done in, in that time. That roll of dimes yeah. was it. So yeah. <laughs> so you get yeah, it down, really, and then you edit it. That's it. I, I still remember the words that that this uh, this writing instructor told me. Now, now this has got to be. My gosh, this is going to be in the, probably the mid '80s. Um, no, it was actually in the early '80s. This was in the early '80s, and and she's in that class. She goes, "I want you to puke on the paper," and everybody just like <laughs> puke on the paper. Just go, yeah, and then yeah. you just go as fast as you can go. And and uh, so we actually did drills where you go as fast as you can go. And then come back and fix it later. But you have your thoughts out. Then you can restructure your thoughts and, and, and go from there. But don't try to wordsmith yourself or you'll forget the next six thoughts before you can fix that last sentence. So um, and I've, I've actually tried to, yeah, I've tried to voice um, some of the dragon speaking. I've tried those. I actually wrote part of the, 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 the second um, the second of the trilogy using it, but then I found myself having to clean up a lot. Um, and uh, but you know, it's, it's there's all a trade-off, and it all depends on how you feel. I still use it now and then when I get in the mood, because sometimes you got to get in that right mood. I, you know, I think it's about getting yourself in the right mindset, getting yourself in the mood, and then just go. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would think talking your book, which is which is becoming re- really popular. Um, Talking the book, you, I mean, you would have to be ready for that kind of thing, you know, because that's that's you know, you have to be ready to write and keep right. going, you know, and you just keep right on going. And I, I I found myself a little more disjuncted in thought mm-hmm. because you're you're speaking as as it's coming out, and it's and and sometimes your mind can go faster than where you're speaking, so you get a little yeah. bit disjuncted, yeah. and then sometimes you get different characters. Uh, Actual conversations, you get them intermixed a little bit as you're coming, but but as long as you sort sort it out later, it takes a little, probably a little more editing than it is just straight typing. Um, but it's a good it's a good technique that I found that you know once I get in that right mood and I'm, I want to go, I want to go. Maybe I had too much coffee that morning. I'm like, let me go. <laughs> uh, but otherwise, I, I, I look I look for the right place where I can kind of hide away. And I, I, I have to give my wife a warning, and you know, I, I said, okay, I'm just gonna, you're not gonna see me for a while, so <laughs> leave me alone, okay? <laughs> I'm going to my, I'm going to my sleeve, or I'm going to the coffee shop. And uh, oh, okay, so you, you have a certain place that you would like to write at that you're comfortable with? I, I, I am. I've, I've had different places, and at, at uh, maybe about. Three four years ago, I had a place, a special place, and, and we lived in a different house than we do now. A spot in the living room, and it was just my spot. It was a perfect spot, and I could really 
really roll out words at that spot. And then uh, once we moved, I, I got into a different, oh, well, this is a nice little place here. This is good. Uh, here at our house, the, the house that we're in now, I've got a great patio in the back. So I find myself a lot of times in the patio. Even in January and February, uh, I'll go out in the patio. I just throw a blanket across the lap because, you know, it gets pretty chilly in, in Arizona at night. But still, just wrap a blanket around you and I just sit there with my laptop and I can bang away for an hour and a half, two hours before my fingers start to, to creak. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or I, I've got a, a coffee shops. Now I kind of say, okay, well, I'm going to take that Saturday afternoon for four hours and I'm going to this Starbucks, I'm going to this coffee bean shop, or I'm going to get myself set up in a corner, find an electric plug, and I'm going to town. And so I, I put the earphones on, put some classical music, and I just go at it. Ah, classical so, music, huh? Hmm. That's, put that, put, put, I, 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 that me, classical is good for me when I'm writing because it, you don't have to think about it. You don't have the words to distract you. It's wow, a little bit of that true. background noise and kind of kills your, kills the, the external noise around you. And uh, then it kind of allows me to focus on the, on the actual writing itself. Well, if you think about it, you're, you're writing about, you know, uh, exotic locations. And oh, so, yeah. you know, in history, you know, really deep history where the where these places are. So perhaps classical music is helps your muse. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, you know it's, it's typically classical, but I find myself sometimes I throw jazz on, I throw something else on because I'm just like, okay, I had enough of that. Give me something else for an hour. So, <laughs> yeah, and then that allows me to kind of vent out and 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 uh, let myself go and. But, uh, but sometimes I, I get distracted when, when, as I'm as I'm going through my my writing. The um, I find myself distracted because I'll get into the historical context, and I said I really want these characters to do something like this, or I want them to do something. So I, I'll, next thing you know, I'll, I'll spend 45 minutes to an hour surfing the internet trying to find this place. I'll get on Google Earth and I'll be looking on. This yeah. city, you know, where are we at, and what can I find? Then I start searching the search engines, looking for something that will that I can plant into that thing, which will be just a nice touch for that particular scene. So I, you know, it's a, it's an unfortunate side of that where I I like to have historically accurate things or geographically accurate mm-hmm. because I find myself getting distracted instead of dumping like I should have been dumping. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I'll find myself off the net to get that right little thing. Um, but I've, I've tried to get better in, in, the, in the last year. I put a, a, a highlight in a color, uh-huh. and I just put a placeholder. I said, I'll come back later. I'll come back later yeah. so that I can keep moving, and then I'll come back and I'll try to fill in that gap later. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Um, I, I know that when I was working on mine, I wrote the whole thing, and then I went back. So okay, I want to make sure these these places are accurate, and and what I'm doing is is kind of close enough to what, you know, what we can get away with. And I found right. that uh, that the that uh, <laughs> there were locations pretty close to where I was uh, establishing them, and uh, it just had to change. All I had to do was change the uh, the spelling of the country that I wanted it to be because they already have a language there. And, yeah. you know, it's like, how, how you know, how you know that? It just, somehow, it just comes out. <laughs> it's weird and yeah. freaky how that works. 
It is. It really is. How you can put twists and turns, and which is the creative part. It's the fun part of writing. Is, is oh yeah, definitely you can be creative. Well, at least when you're when you're doing fiction. You know, it's a little different story right. when you're when you're doing nonfiction. But on the fictional side, you can let that imagination go, and you know, let those let those creative juices go around your head and come up with a new line. But again, and, uh, like I, I was saying, and, and what I wanted to also get from you was. Um, a lot of nonfiction people say, well, you don't do, you know, you're a fiction author. You don't do any research. I said, that, so who said that? Oh, you know? no. There's a, yeah. Yeah, there's, <laughs> we, there's do, a, we do a lot of research. I mean, as long as it depends, obviously, what genre, right? But if you have any history in it, then, yeah, we do a lot of research. Yeah. And, and I and I did that in particular on the, because this, this the trilogy is driven on historical aspects and then on the, the psychology of doing these past life regressions by psychiatrists, psychologists, and the hypnotherapists, and I wanted that to be so accurate. And the, the good thing is the, the a lot of my earlier readers uh, have been psychologists, psychiatrists, and the hypnotherapists that actually wow. practice. And I, I have gotten so much feedback from them that you were so accurate in your description of a past life regression therapy session, you were right on the T. You you were right on. And uh, I actually had uh, one one. Was, I actually had two different um, uh, hypnotherapists. They were therapists who did past life regressions. Uh, one was in in Scotland, and one was over in Los Angeles. And both of them came back to me one on one. It was emails back and forth. And we both of us in both situations we carried on an email dialogue for a week and a half, and both were retired. Both had done the, the hypnotic past life regressions for as long as 30 years of their career. Hmm. And and the one in Los Angeles, he says, you know, I wish, I guess I, guess I hit the right button, because I wish we, when I was practicing the regression therapy, I wish we would have had the technology you got today. Uh-huh. And I said, I'm, you know, I had to, I had to break the news and said, I'm sorry, I created some of this technology. It's, that's the fictional part. <laughs> well, you made it up, you mean? I created the technology because there, there's technology as part of the regression therapy within the the, the novel. Uh, they're they're using what they actually did is they they. Um, and this part of this was fictional, and part of it's non-fictional. Was was they they got the the core technology came from a a research a government research program uh, based in, in SRI Stanford Research Institute out in California. And what it did is I actually worked at Stanford Research Institute for a couple of years, and there was a program there. It was they do a lot of the sort of uh, these these black programs for the government, the government research. Uh-huh. And there was a program there, and it literally, you can look it up on the Internet, it's you know under Stargate, and I'm sure that is where the movie and the TV series got their name from this program that started up in the 70s, went into the 80s, called Stargate. And it was uh-huh. about remote viewing. It was not past life regression, but it was remote viewing. But it is the same type of a concept of the the mind going into some astral projection state 
and and uh, you know in, in that particular case reviewing things remotely backward in time forward in time but it was not focused on the human soul so the 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 creative aspect of that said well I made another program at SRI <laughs> so that gave me some of the foundation to give me technology but this the the one psychologist in uh, um, uh, over in uh, Los Angeles he said gosh you know, you really had me gone. I thought that was all. <laughs> there is foundation in each of the different technologies. Yeah, they're the probably looking, of, probably looking it up, going, "How come we don't know any about, about all this?" <laughs> because there, there were eyeballs. There's magnetic caps on the head. There's there's headphones. There's shocker things. That there is there is literally foundation in each of the technologies. And you could, in theory, use those kinds of technology to help stimulate someone to reach this perfect psychotic, not psychotic, but psychological state where you can reach into the, the past. Uh, I actually had one therapist corrected me on the first, on the first release of the, the novel. Uh, I, I, I had said beta state, the beta, mind beta state, and she corrected me and said, no, it's the alpha state. I went back to my notes, I looked at it and says, she's correct. So I, I, I put that in correction in, and when I, I had a second release of the ebook um, uh, right around the holiday time period, and I corrected that. I went through and corrected it from beta to alpha because she was correct. It, it was, you know, that, that's how minute that the readers were looking at it. The, um, the, the, the interesting one was a, the, the, a, a psychiatrist. Now, he was, not, he was a medical doctor in Scotland, who, uh, after years as a, as a young medical doctor, he kept running into these medical conditions he could not fix. He couldn't find the source of the problem. So he went into the hypnotic regression to try to take people back to a childhood, find out why did you, how did you hurt your leg, how did you hurt your back, why did you get these headaches, why did your neck hurt. He was trying to find out what was the cause, because there was no physiological cause for it. And he said that's when suddenly they would flip back into these past lives and they go back 500 years or 1,000 years and a, a horse crushed their leg or wow. you know, they fell off a tree and broke an arm and next thing you know, their pain went away. And, and this dialogue again, this is the kind of research that I did for about two years prior to actually beginning to write was to talk to the psychologist, the psychiatrist who did these regressions. And even they admit and if you look at the blogs, there's lots of blogs on this topic. Look at it. Even they are heavily in debate. Is reincarnation real or not? They don't know. Are past lives real? And if someone is regressed, are they really seeing a past life or is it something that the mind creates and reflects? Hmm. Um, but the psychologists, there, 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 so many of them are there absolutely told that it's real. But this hmm. Scottish medical doctor who's retired he said, I did this for 30 years. He says, I've done probably, you know, three, 4,000 regressions and, and solved a lot of people's problems. And he said, most, they said a lot of times, not maybe not most, but a lot of times, I had no idea what they ran across in some previous life, but it fixed their problem. And he says, at that point, I don't care. He says, I took their pain away, whatever it was, it went away. And so that was where the regression sort of came from, from a, a medical standpoint or a psychological standpoint. Why did someone have a fear of water? How uh, did to go to the ground as a kid or something? So that those are the kinds of things that are drawn out of these 
these regressions that the psychologists and the psychiatrists are really after. Uh, whether they believe it or not, they know the techniques work in their practice. So that, that when you're saying, do we research to get a fiction, you bet. You, you hit it right out of you. There was so much research to go into that. And that made me feel good when these practitioners, the practitioners come to me and say, you got it. You got it right. <laughs> I saw that exact thing. So, uh, <laughs> I always say that you have to know your history really well in order, in order to know where to screw it up. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's how you you people will call you on it. Yeah. They'll oh, yeah. Say that, that's yeah. not right. It's just this uh, yeah. river diverted and uh, it goes past this other city, and you go back in your notes, and you say, no, it actually, in this time period, was actually in a whole different, it had, it had changed its route in, uh, oh, yeah. you know, 100 years before. So That's right. Oh, and that's why I had to be so careful, because I knew people were going to get me. And when okay. I, as a, because I, I, I pulled, in the, first, in the first book, I pulled a lot of, prominent characters. There's there's less volume of prominent characters in the second one, but there was a lot in the first one that I tied together across the three subjects and then the you know, just vertically through time. And I was I tried to be so careful that I didn't yeah. get the wrong century, the wrong year, where I forgot the thing in a wrong sequence because I was right, somebody's gonna catch me on this and they're gonna correct me. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and they do. They do. Yeah, they will. Yeah, they will. So, but so it's somebody, been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Somebody asked on on Facebook a question. They said, uh, "Why did you uh, come out in ebook before you came out in print book?" It was um, the real reason I came out with ebook first was it's it was it was. In my view, it's quicker and faster and easier to get it out. Then, I, I, as I mentioned, I was able to, to make several corrections uh, and adjustments. After about four months as an ebook, I got enough feedback from, from readers that I could make those adjustments and tweaks. Then I came out with that, that second rev, which is a really good correction of it. Then that gave me the opportunity to understand what are the real readers, what are the, what's the real audience for it. Then I came out with a paperback. So the paperback is, is just out now. And mm-hmm. but right now I'm only on Amazon, so you'd have to you'd have to go through Amazon to get the paper to actually get the paperback. Um but but it was an easier way to get out there, even though I I, um, I took one shot at the classic uh New York publishers and I you probably all know what happened to them this week. <laughs> the uh which is uh, they- probably indicative of what's coming. Yeah, they, they sometimes don't know uh yeah, a good a good story if it fell in their laps. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, I made one shot into them and I did the very classic thing about it, the author, but uh, I had not been previous pu- previously published. Made the pitch. I got a couple of them to actually read the the first chapters, but that was before I really refined it because I, I jumped a little bit earlier when I went to them. Mm-hmm. I should have held back and done more refinement. Uh, but instead of going to them, what I did is I actually hired uh, two, two separate editors to beat me up, to, yeah. to really help me. I needed one, which was just, I, I asked her to just tear me apart. I paid them, 
Uh, they're professional editors, which is exactly what the big publishing houses do. They have their right. own editors that, that beat you up. Or then I had a second editor which come in and look for my commas and help me where I didn't get it right. And our first editor, where I really screwed up from the first editor, helped me fix that part. So the first one helped me with, you know, you miss this kind of general concept and, you know, you've got, you know, your conversation is out of sequence. And so I ended up actually moving some chapters and moving things around from the first one, which is a, which is a higher level edit. And that second one was to fine-tune the things that I may have missed. Um, but th- at that point, it was the easiest, quickest thing to do is let me get into the market in the ebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I'm out there in the market, then I learn from you know learn from that process, then drop back to the to the to the paperbacks to push those back out. So I, I think the entire publishing market is very very different today than it oh, was definitely. just five years ago. Just five years ago. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, it, of course, I knew most of the answers, but you know the thing is that you know I let you tell everybody. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, uh, and, I, and I'm I, I'm absolutely convinced that five years from now it will be significantly different than it is today. Yeah, uh, it, you know I I argue quite often with with uh, even with Don, you know my my partner, he seems to think that print is dead, and I I. You know, still hang on for dear life with it, only because because that's you know, I'm a graphic designer, so that's my business. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. you you give up on that, and uh, and and then then what will you know what will it be? But you know, yes, it's very important to have everything coming into ebook, and you, and it is awesome to be able to uh, make your adjustments. You know, make your adjustments as it gives you a chance to make adjustments before you, you know, start printing these things off. Um, yeah. You know, I, I know you went with a bigger run, so you definitely wanted to get it right, for, you know, before you did that. And, right, uh, right. Because yeah. you could go with a with a smaller print-on-demand and do smaller mm-hmm. volumes earlier. But mm-hmm. but I also, I used the opportunity at the ebook level to, to, to get the reviews that I needed. I, I needed the really critical view from readers. Mm-hmm. And that's where that's the reviews that I put on the, the website. With an ebook, I mean, it allowed me to get reviews in in uh, Ireland and well, Princeton and uh, the U.K., Canada, South Africa. So I, I've got reviews from all around the world. Uh, and I think it's that's very, very, very difficult to do that with a with a paperback or a hardback of any sort. Uh, with the ebook, I, I could get to those broader markets, get a different viewpoint. And like in, on, in the particular case of my the first novel on the trilogy, for some reason it, it it's hit a really big following in the UK. It's, mm. there, there's it's really bashing in the UK, which is interesting. I, I would have thought, well, maybe this will hit in the U.S. market or somebody. No, in the UK, it picked up uh, much faster than it did than it did in the in the in the uh, in the Americas market. Huh. Um, but I don't. I'm not exactly sure why. There's got to be some particular reason why. But but there's a there's a lot more followers. The hits are there, and and um, maybe they're uh, just more into you know into uh, mystery thrillers more. <laughs> It could be the mystery thrillers. It could be the aspect of the the the, the psychology of the regressions and and, mm-hmm. and the reincarnation. It could be that that's driving um, 
They're older, older country than America is, and so they do have wider views on things. Right, and and I and I think that's and that's part of it. When when I but I did find one interesting thing about the book is I've got three types of readers. Um, I, I've got what I call the I kind of call the the angels and the healers, the Buddhists and the Hindus. They're on the left. They're kind of on this left side. They they believe in reincarnation. They they feel it. They believe it. They're into it. They just to them it is second nature. It's and part of their so lives. That aspect, yeah. It, they, they get the vibe, and they understand it, and they feel it. The psychologists are in there. The psychiatrists are in there. They get it because there's aspects of that therapy that they see that there's whole aspects, and they don't know, exactly know, but they're in that camp. On the right-hand side, the opposite side, I call those the zombies and vampires because they look at reincarnation and souls as a very fantasy-driven thing, a very esoteric thing that they can't really deal with their socialists. So they're kind of on the phone side. Hey, look, this is just a really good adventure adventure book. No. Good mystery, good thriller, that's what they're looking for. And then I found there's a smaller audience I call Fringe, this group in the middle. I can't decide which way they're on. I, I've had some very interesting one-on-one email dialogues with, with folks that I said were in the Fringe. They're in the middle. <laughs> and, and I mean, some really intense dialogue. Just I mean, almost confrontational challenges. Wow! About the reincarnation and regression, and you know, is it total fantasy? Is it not fantasy? So they were, they're in the French. Right? You got to move to the left, or you got to move to the right. Just don't stay in the middle. <laughs> well, it kind of, that kind of reminds me of when uh, Dan Brown's story, you know, wound up on the big screen and. We had people who were out picketing. And oh, okay. <laughs> I go and like, you guys understand the concept of fiction? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, re- I remember the interviews where Dan Brown, I mean, he sat there on the, on the TV interviews, the radio interviews when that took place. Uh-huh. And those folks were against him. He said, look, it's fiction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made you guys are taking this as gospel. This is. This is not Bible. This is fiction. So <laughs> I made up a story. There's historical facts around it, but I made up a story. Right, right. Enjoy it. <laughs> enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there, there are some things in, in, in my in the in the first one that I was a little concerned with. It, you know, boy, I, I could create animosity because it is very thought provoking. The, the nature of the historical aspects is very, very thought provoking. Mm-hmm. If, you were, if you were to say that historically prominent figures on opposite sides of the fence were suddenly the same soul, you could you could imagine the conflicts that you could derive. Mm-hmm. Different, totally opposite ends of the spectrum. And I played that way out into the second book of actually swapping people and souls between the confrontational organizations. Wow, that'd be interesting. (laughs) Because then it gets to different aspects. Because that's what the psychologists say, that life, we we live these lives as a soul Uh to learn. And if you were to learn one side of a a debate, one side of a thing, Mm -hmm. of a a philosophy, and then the next life you ended up living the opposite side of that. Mm Mm-hmm. 
they say, in essence, your soul will learn so much more because now you got both sides of the story. Well, in essence, what you did was you put that person in the other person's shoes. That's exactly it. Thought-provoking nature is if, you know, you know, this life you're a Jew, the next life you're a Muslim, the next life you're a Christian, the next life you're a Buddhist. So I would think after, after all that, you would be pretty open-minded to anything. <laughs> that's it. You would think that, that particular soul is going to be so mature that, uh, you know, maybe they'll reincarnate as, the, you know, the, the next savior or something. Who knows? Who knows? As it, you and I talked a little bit about this, and I said, you know, I, I, I'm not sure about reincarnation, and I had considered uh, putting that in my book, and I, I pulled it out because um, I'm just, you know, I'm not sure about it. And I said, yeah. Dalai Lama, I mean, I, I'm very fascinated by it, I, you know, definitely in anything Buddhist-oriented. And uh, I, I said, why would anyone... Uh, have that many lives, but have to go back to the beginning all the time. <laughs> it just yeah. seemed to me to yeah. be kind of a waste of time. It's like you should start where you ended, and you'd be that much wiser in that new in in that new life. Yeah, and that, that's an interesting thing that you you, you said you took it out. The, the if you were to read the nonfiction books that relate to past life regression and reincarnation. See that actually the the two main uh, psychiatrists who were were heavily early into this field, which is Brian Weiss and Michael Newton, they were both very 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 apprehensive about even telling anyone what they got in their mm. in their 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 sessions. Sure. Um, and, and one of them actually, they tried to. I, I don't know what the phrase is. They tried to disbar, you know, that, that bar. But whatever you do with the psychiatrist, tried to take his license away right. because he wrote the, book, the first book on reincarnation and said, "Well, yeah, we reincarnate, and I can take people back to their past lives." And he was ridiculed, ridiculed by Not his that. peers. Not and that. Uh, people, people can't accept that. No. And. Um, so and and what they come out is is as you're saying why would the Dalai Lama come back reincarnate again and again and again keep doing this over again well each time you learn a lesson and what the psychologists psychiatrists say is is that you each life is to learn a lesson and if you fail in that lesson then you are destined to live another life yeah and you will not only get that lesson you're going to get that lesson twofold. <laughs> And uh, so that is part of what you, if you read the non-fictional books, that's what yeah. they'll they'll tell you. But I, I really played to that in I really really played to that in in uh, in, in the trilogy is that the lessons that you learn. Uh, I give you one tidbit is is there was a a a, a biblical historical character uh, back pre you know this is pre you know the the, the back in the BC ages. Um, who was a strong advocate and actually did a lot of human sacrifice. Well, I made that guy come back to the one Jewish character who was instrumental historically in in getting all of the organized religions to stop human sacrifice. Ah, okay. 
In other words, he was a, he was a, he was yeah. a very prominent historical character that was known for essentially taking his many, many wives and mm. sacrificing the wives to God or mm. whatever the gods were. And I made him come back and relive the life as the person who actually was instrumental in in eliminating human sacrifice from the, uh, I'll use the word, the Abrahamic religions being Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. It was, it was, which then spread out to the other uh, paganism and other philosophies of that time, which is human sacrifice is not a good thing. And human no. sacrifice will not make God any happier with you. I would so, think uh, so. <laughs> so that's both of the historical facts that, yeah. that I really tried to bring out and tie together. Well, it's interesting that you kind of um, make them learn the lesson, and yeah, uh, yeah, and that's, that's really really the point you're you're talking about with with reincarnation is is um, I think once Dalai Lama had said you know that that it's because he's not done. Yeah. <laughs> it's not something done. that simple. He just not done. He's not done. Uh, he won't be done for you know probably many 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 more lives until they. They, they, uh, until they've learned all the lessons they need to learn, and they, they, you know, they're a, in what the psychologists and psychiatrists say is, they're a more mature soul. Yeah, yeah, and that they're again. They're, I think that you and I talked a little bit about this before, and that's not everyone is at the same level. So if Dalai Lama has a lot more things to learn because his, that's what. You know where he's supposed to get to is a, a maybe a higher plane of existence than than most of us. You know who uh, are not going to live that many lives. Right, right. And there's a, there's some other concepts that I, that I brought out and I played on very heavily, which is the 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 the, the psychologists, psychiatrists, they use the term soul family or soul group, soul clusters. I use it in, in my novel. I use the the word the soul pod. A pod of souls, and they say that they classically, from what they can get in their regressions, the souls cluster in groups of ten or fifteen on the other side, wherever the other side is. And when they reincarnate, they reincarnate quite often in these clusters. Now we refer to it as soulmates, as you know, oh, oh they're my soulmate. We've kind of played that out. Right. They're my soulmate. They're my right. Of my life. But, but what what the psychologists have picked up from their regressions is that you could be a um, you could be business partners in one life, and the next life you're a husband and wife, the next life you're a, a father and daughter, uh, the next life you are desperate deaf enemies. So because what it is, the souls like to be together. The souls like to play out the life. Together in in but in, but in perhaps in different roles in different roles because huh. when you're in a different role the entire thing changes your your individual's soul challenge changes dramatically as uh-huh. to whether you are subordinate to this other person or this or vice versa or you're on opposite sides of the fence and you fight each other or whether <laughs> you're you know you're passionate lovers it doesn't matter you're you're uh, <laughs> So I, I played that out very heavily through the through the novel. That's how I tied the essentially the, the subjects together. I tied their strings together, uh, hmm. and that carries me well into the second, and then into the third trilogy, third book of the trilogy are these 
these so hot or clustering the souls are tied together. And they uh, we, have, we have a question. Uh question is uh somebody is seems kinda of complicated with the uh people telling out different lives. How do you handle that in your story? It's it's uh yeah, what I tried to do is, is keep the common thread together. And even though I, I had a lot of lies in the in 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 that in the first novel, um, they're separated by the three by the three subjects, and I focused within the storyline on just a few of the the regressed characters within the story. Uh, where I think the readers are going to have a challenge is they as they read through it, they know they've got a real person in there. They've got mm-hmm. a, they're a historically prominent person. I think they're going to find themselves going to the Internet, and they're going to go to Wikipedia, <laughs> and they're going to look this person up. Yeah. yeah. They're going to want to know, who's this person? Now they're going to dig into it. Now, actually, in the ebook, the good part is I was able to put a – in the back of the ebook, you can, uh-huh. you, can go, you can click on the character. It'll take you right to the stories and right to the Internet pages. That's the nice yeah. thing if you have a Kindle Fire. You just – point at the name, you click at the name, and boy, it takes you right to the internet, and then you've yeah. got what you're interested in. Um, that'll be the distraction for, for people, but I try to keep it to the point where it's down to these characters, the subjects go away, and I focus on just the the two main characters that ride through the whole story. There's there's two. There's a, uh, there's a male and female. You always need a male and female to make things more interesting, and, um, and so they ride together through this entire story. Uh, as they're chasing these these uh, things around, so that if the, if you can focus the tension on your two main characters, knowing that you've got a few peripherals, um, and you'll see in certain areas, uh, I, I don't want to get too involved in some of the characters, and you'll see why as you get into the book further. So you don't mm-hmm. want somebody to get too attached to somebody if you're going to lose a character later. Um, awesome. I think that's the only question I've got. Uh, let's let you know. Uh, if you get guys can get your your book, your printed book through Amazon, and I gave the uh, link for that. But you can also get it uh, directly from AZ Publishing Services, which is the print publisher for uh, for his book, and you get free shipping there. So you know, you don't have to have, to have just one place for it. But you can also get it for free shipping. Of course, any little bit helps. And uh, getting a great book. And, of course, uh, I know that uh, you kept this price really, really reasonable. It's like nine ninety nine a piece, so that's awesome. Definitely gets a good, great story. And it's, it's a again, a pretty thick story. So it's, you know, it's a good, good long story for a great price. So you guys really need to get a hold of it and, and take a look at it and read it before his next book comes out. Uh, yeah. That way you're prepared, ready. Yeah, and it's it's it's. We're, I'm rolling in on it now, and I've got some, I've got some really good twists. The uh, <laughs> good, good feedback. That was not good. <laughs> uh, my my readers on the first one said, "Oh, more action, even more action." They, there was uh, in the first book, the, the the first part of the book was very regression intensive to build the storyline. The second part was action intensive. More action, more action. So I think they liked that was part of the Da Vinci Code piece, and so I gave them more action the second. And I and I spread the regressions through the through the storyline so they get more action all through the story. So it's uh, I, I try to listen to what the what the readers really wanted to hear. 
I know what I want. I know the messages I want to get across. It's, it's just how do you tell the story so that I can really make it make it more interesting for them. Definitely, definitely, and of course that's the fun part about uh, creating a story. And uh, do you have any characters in your book that you love the most? I, I, um, the, um, yeah, there's, there, I got, well, as the storyline goes on, there's sort of three characters are really built on. Um, there, there is a, there's three regression subjects, and I, a lot of people have said they like, I'll, I'll give him his name, it's Tommy. They like Tommy. Tommy is kind of the, the fat Welsh guy up in Wales. They like him because he's kind of funny. <laughs> and, um, and they, they like the, sort of the, a lot of folks they like the cat and mouse between the two main characters because the uh, uh, here you've got you know the main character is sort of a you know ex army military intelligence kind of a guy and then you you, you have uh, that his, his name is Clay and then Shali is a sort of a, uh, she is an Indian uh, of Indian descent she is from from Delhi uh, but she'd been sort of Americanized through her through her roots and has a very coarse side to her. So she is not what you would expect from a from a, a Hindu raised uh, Indian female. She's uh, there, and there are distinct reasons why she's got these coarse edges to her. And people seem to like they like her because of her nature. So there's. Uh, um, some good things, and there, there's, a, there's a character that's out in the first book is going to really develop a lot more in the second, and I think okay. people are going to like her. Well, people are going to be shocked when they see what she does in the second book. Um, <laughs> that's a great teaser there. <laughs> oh my God! Well, the character she portrays in the first is straight laced to the teeth, and they're going to see a whole different side of her on the second on the second novel. Wow. Um, on your website, there's links there for uh, PLR education and research, so uh, past life regression, hypnosis, and, and meditation. Just let everyone know that way they you can you they can find out what you found out, and uh, really delve deep and see you know if they're curious, find out more. Yeah, and on that top right hand side of the of the the website there, there's a link where it says Earth. And uh, that is a very, very, very good uh, short little YouTube video about regression. And this was written, it was not written, but it was actually uh, created by the European, uh, the actual European Regression Therapy Organization. And uh, you'll see, you'll see uh, at the end of the, the, the actual video that's on there, you'll see some very prominent, very prominent regression therapists in Europe. Uh, that's sort of what, and and uh, uh, so it's a very good. It just kind of gives you a general view of what the therapy is and what people do when they actually go through the therapy. Wow, it's, uh, very that's very interesting. Awesome. And I had to do it. And if you you read it, there's I've had people tell me, where do I go get it done? I actually had one reader come in and say, I'm in Chicago. Where do I find out all the therapists in Chicago? I want to go get one. I want to find. <laughs> I want to be regressed. And uh, I, I had to go get regressed because I felt as if I couldn't write about it if I couldn't experience it. So it's a, it's a very, very interesting experience. If, as long as your subconscious allows you to experience what you might or might not see, 
it, it's a it's a very good thing to, to to give it a try. And I had a lot of readers said, "I got to do this. How much does it cost? Where do I go get it?" All right. So yeah, really, I wasn't going to uh, get too deep into that one because I wasn't sure if you were ready to talk about it. But we also wanted, obviously, something to do to uh, talk about next when we uh, yeah. get together. <laughs> yeah. I got a whole line. What, the, the, what I saw and what I felt and what I experienced when I did that. Because if you do it, yeah. you're going to see. You will probably see things and you will experience things that you don't understand. Yeah, and it's going to make you challenge. So that's the thought-provoking part. It's going to make you challenge your own thought processes. Hmm. So it's a, you know, the, the therapy is a very interesting thing, and whether you believe it, you know, as I said, there, you can either be on the the angel and the healer side, or you can be on the zombies and the vampire side. It's 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 a very very interesting experience to undergo uh, Russian therapy. It's it's a it's a just a mind weakening experience, whether you believe it or not. All right, there you go. Never know. Get a little know a little more about yourself, and that's uh, that's the important thing. And yeah. uh, and then to perhaps uh, find out things that you did. You're like, oh, now I understand why I yeah. do that. You know. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And and it, it will change you. Some of the the things that you would read about, I've actually experienced a change from the regression I did, and I didn't even know why till three or four months later. Could that be linked? And, and wow. so I, I, under, I saw a change in me, which mm-hmm. I didn't expect by going through this therapy session, and I, and I didn't even link the two for three or four months. So I, you know, it, it's a very, very interesting, very interesting experience. And I, I encourage people to, you know, just go do it, just to have fun with it, just to have fun. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, we are getting close to our time, and we've already been okay. like over an hour. <laughs> Yeah. But you know, you get involved and you you don't really know how long because uh, we do have a certain time limit. So I know that we're gonna uh, just let everybody know. As far as I know, you're going to be in Mesa this Friday night. Right, right. I'll be over in Mesa this Friday night. There's a book signing uh, in Mesa, Arizona, that's and uh, so I'll be over there Friday night. And that's in Mesa, Mesa second Friday. Lots of cool right. stuff going on, and it's all about books this time. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll have a good stock of, of paperbacks, and uh, yeah. uh, or if you want the book, I've got a card. And I'll sign. I'll you know we'll give you a signature if you want the ebook, and I'll sign a little card that has a you know the the, the you know the Your signature the on yeah. the signature on the card. If you want that, that'd be just great. I'd love to love to see you, and we can stop you know stop and talk talk to our heart's desire. Yeah, he's a lot of fun to talk to, and you guys should come on out and meet him in person. Uh, he will be, as far as I know, he's going to be at AZ Publishing's uh, uh, table, so definitely come on in and uh, and meet us. And uh, I hope you have a Hawaiian shirt. Do you have a Hawaiian shirt? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> because, for sure. Because it's, they uh, are even having a Bat Hawaiian t-shirt uh, contest, so... It's, it should be a lot of fun. So you should wear your, your Hawaiian shirts and, and, and get into the spirit of it, okay? You bet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, with that, I'm going to give a couple of messages, and then I'm going to uh, sign off for the night. And, and always a pleasure talking to you. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That was in Boston, and we were on live uh, he is going to be out this Friday night at the second 
Friday for Mesa, and uh, I'll be sitting at the AZ Publishing table, which apparently is going to be right next to where we're going to be shooting some pictures of the what we call the 3D book cover photo shoot. And what this is is um, you know connotations, which I'm a managing editor of. Uh, we're going to um, have them, you know, handing out papers there. And at the same time, uh, we'll have a photographer, uh, Tatiana, or Tasha, from, uh, she's got her own company, and she usually comes with the uh, uh, the Geek Group, with their Geek Associates, and they shoot pictures of all different events, and she's coming out, and she's going to help out with the table for uh, connotations, and we will have backgrounds of uh, different views and and uh, different book types. We have book titles at the top of the uh, area and you can come in with your costume uh, with yourself or with a group. You know, if you guys are zombies and you want a you know a scary background, we've got that. Uh, we've got uh, props. Uh, she's got some props she's bringing in some, you know, and so it'll be a lot of fun to choose your weapons and, and get into the spirit of it and, and you know, group shot behind the uh, the live books. And so that way you guys become an actual book cover. So this is a live 3D book cover. So you guys will make it the 3D. So uh, come on out and have some fun. It's only $5, and so obviously it's going to charity. Uh, Connotations is, is a nonprofit organization, so definitely come in and uh, show support and have fun. Have fun with it. Yeah, nothing like uh, becoming a book cover. So <laughs> with that, uh, we also have a show tomorrow. And tomorrow we have Michael Bradley, and he is an author. He likes to write uh, steampunk, so we'll be talking about steampunk quite a bit tomorrow with him on, uh, again, more historical stuff. We have his history when it comes to steampunk. So we were discussing uh, his time period that he loves and uh, you know, business that he was in before and why uh, he's gotten into writing suddenly again. Another person who started a late bloomer, started later in life, and has now written his several, several books and some short stories. So uh, we'll be talking to Michael Bradley tomorrow, and then the day after, we've got another show, same time, at 5.30 to 6.30 with Jonathan Maxwell. Again, I do have the show extended to 7 o'clock, so that way we can uh, you know, talk about anything coming up. I'll be giving you more, more updates on who to expect out there at uh, the Mesa's second Friday and uh, what things that are going to be going on there. So tomorrow night is Michael Bradley, and on Thursday, 5.30, here in Arizona at the same time, so that's 8.30 Eastern time, it'll be Jonathan Maxwell, and he's got, again, some some very interesting, and, and really it's kind of weird because all these books kind of collate historically. So yeah, definitely need to come and take a look at that because it's, Going to be very cool to uh, see this uh, see here. Can't do that without getting out. But information about uh, Jonathan Maxwell is also on on Thursday's show. So we've got that already on Blog Talk. So definitely take a look at it and find out more about him. 
So we've got a couple of great people coming up this week, and next week we've got some other new people uh, we're also interviewing. On Tuesday, we've got a, an apocalypse, apocalyptic book called 77 Days in September by Ray Gorham. That's Ray Gorham on, and we'll have a radio show as well as uh, we'll also be touring him virtually on my blog. Uh, so 77 Days in September, again, that's Apocalypse. So we got some really cool stuff coming up, and we got uh, some really interesting authors coming and talking to us. So definitely come and visit. So with that, we only have a few minutes, and I'm going to go ahead and sign off and make my dinner for the night. Uh, so you guys have a great night, and have a pleasant one. <laughs>